Welcome to the Maverick Strength Podcast. Um, today we've got Andy Bolton on. I don't think Andy needs much of an introduction, um, but for those that don't know, Andy was the first man ever to pull a thousand kilos, uh, a thousand pounds, a thousand kilos. Can you imagine that, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be something else, that wouldn't it? It would. Um, how are you at the moment, mate? I'm very well, mate. Thank you. Yeah, healthy, feel good, feel strong, feel good. So what's the um, what's the goal at the moment? You, you back looking to compete again, or yeah, um, kidney transplant was two years ago. Um, I've got my eyes set on the all-time deadlift record by an over fifty. That's currently set around three seventy, I believe, by Nick Best. Oh, really? Um, but I'm I'm just working my way up. You know, that that's the ultimate goal. If I get there or not, we don't know. I'm not going to sacrifice any health, anything in my life to get to that goal. Um, so if I can pull that and still stay the same body weight, stay healthy, keep my cardio, and then you know it'll be. But if not, it's not a big, not a big deal, to be honest. Do you feel? Do you feel now like, like, you just set a goal so you can crack on with training and, and kind of keeping that headspace rather than setting a goal just because you want it or? Yeah, it's, it's, to be honest, I don't need goals, me now. Um, I enjoy training just for training. Uh, I, I train with a group of guys who have been with me a long time, and, and I could just happily compete against them week in, week out. Um, I, I do like to compete. I've always competed. Um, setting this goal, it just gives that little bit extra, you know. Um, but I don't need I don't need a goal to make me work hard in the gym, to be honest set myself little goals just for me to achieve every every month or so anyway um, it just gives it that little bit more excitement you know when there's a something at the end of it all certainly where where would you be looking to pull that that would be at the end of the year it'd be at my deadlift challenge in October that's that's actually one thing I was going to say what what are your plans this year in terms of things like seminars and um deadlift challenge and whatever because of COVID um, I imagine it's last year it was pretty crap yeah it? it's been hard it's um I've got a lot of online clients and, and that's probably gone up since COVID to be honest because a lot of people are training at home um I think I've got more now than I've ever had but as far as seminars it's a tough one because nobody wants to commit really um I think we committed to one last year and then then lockdown happened so we had to cancel it you know it's just it's hard so as far as competitions I've got a competition planned in about 12 weeks um, that'll be my first comp back since we transplant so that'll just I'm only going deadlift I'm not going to be squatting or benching um, I don't want to put my body through that sort of stress to be honest um, I'll see where that goes that'll be a raw comp and then we'll move on to deadlift challenge which is around 15 weeks later and probably put a suit on for that and I'll just see if we can get up to that 370 mark it'll be nice very nice. <laughs> I mean, 370 is an unreal deadlift like yeah. for anyone. <laughs> I, know, it's crazy, I mean, for it? over 50, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. The thing is, I think when you've pulled so much like I have in the past, I talk about three. You talk about 370 something. I think all powerlifters do this. When you're strong, you talk about these numbers like they're just a number. But then when you get back to the gym and you pull 300, it's like, fucking, that's heavy. It's heavy. 220. I remember being on dialysis and towards the end of it, 220 I could barely move it off the floor which is which is like for you I mean I've seen videos of you ramp up just doing singles like yeah 
Yeah. That is, you don't even put your hips through on 220 in the past. No, you don't. It's just what you can just go pick up. But it's, um, I think a lot, a lot of lifters do the same. They don't, we don't respect the weights a little bit. You know, I've, I've heard lifters going into competition and they're planning the first, second and third lifts. And and to me, you've no idea what you're going to do on your third. You haven't done your first one yet. Anything can happen. Oh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do I'm going to do 300, 320, Just like it's just a number, you know what I mean? It's not just a number. These weights are heavy. One one thing that interests me with you is like you're you were very 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 like beyond like early before your time like yeah what I mean by that is listen to you speak to Tom on Instagram Live and you was talking about speed of the bar yeah. now, like lifters rarely even talk about speed of the bar now yeah and how important it is like if the speed obviously decreases you know you're not going to get the next rep or you know you're going to get it yeah what what's your training principle now with speed of the bar. It's exactly the same. It's never changed. Um, I've always combined heavier work. Not when I say heavier, it's heavier. It's not max. I, I never, I never go max in training. I've never failed a deadlift in training. I never do singles hardly ever in training unless I'm warming up. Um, to me, especially with a deadlift, it's different than the other lifts. But on a deadlift, you know, the, when you're walking up to a bar and it's laid on the floor, what's telling you that's heavy? At the end of the day, it's your head. It's all in your head. You haven't even picked it up to know it's heavy yet. So most lifters get beaten by just by approaching the bar. Now, the secret behind speed work for me is if you can, if I if I can pull two hundred kilos to two fifty kilos with the same force as I'm pulling four hundred kilos, then I've always believed I'm training for a four hundred kilo pull without pulling four hundred kilos by generating that force, the same force through the bar as you would if you were pulling bigger. So I'm not pulling 200 like it's 200. I'm putting it like it's 400. Now, that that in turn builds so much confidence over the weeks and months going into a competition. Your confidence now is sky high because you're used to pulling weights quick. Now, another thing it does, you know, when lifters get heavier, the form seems to break um, and the panic. Now, by pulling for speed, I find, you can practice that perfect technique while pulling the bar fast. So we're not trying to snatch the bar. We're not, we're not trying to just yank it anyway. So you lose that form when the bar comes to your knee. We try to pull it in a way. So it, it's, it's apply the pressure slowly, feel the, the bend of the bar in your hands, and then you accelerate, you're accelerating. So it's not a quick snatch. It's a slow, gradual pressure. Then you're pulling. So when I pull like that, when the bar gets to my knees, if you see my hips, my hips are cocked back. Now I've got a second, a second movement now. I can now push into the bar when it comes from my knees and it locks out easily. Now, most lifters, they try to just snatch the bar off the floor thinking it's speed, but, but the bar gets to the knees and the, and the hips and glutes and everything's gone forward. So there's nothing left and they just stop above the knee and they're stuck there then. They can't finish the lift off. And, and, you know, speed work, it's just, I mean, a lot of things you can do it, um, just speed work. And, but then again, you can. I've tried this in the past. I've tried doing nothing heavy for eight weeks and just do pure speed work. And then I went to the um, Arnold Classic in 2003. And, and I worked up, I mean, people don't, don't believe this, but for eight weeks before the Arnold Classic, I pulled from 180 kilos at the beginning, speed, just loads of speed, and I never pulled more than 272. Two weeks, three weeks away from the competition in 2003. 
And I went to the competition and I pulled 423 kilos for an all-time record. And people, people are like absolutely baffled by yeah, that. Yeah, they are because how how can you pull so much more? But, but then, what's what's telling me I can't pull it on that day? You think about it. When I go to that competition, what what's telling me I can't pull that weight? It's just your head. Just if head. you've got it in your it's head, it's my head. It's people saying, "Oh, you're going to jump that big. Oh, you are. Are you sure you got a bit that big?" Doubts. People are negative. You know what I mean? It's like no, no. How do you know you can't pull that? How do you know? If you're if you're one of your family members were stuck stuck under a car and you had to pick that up, would you say, Oh, I can't do that? I don't know if I can do that, you know, it's a bit heavy that car. Or would you just fucking go to the car and you'd give it everything you could and pull it off them? That's the difference. It's all about mindset, you see. It's about, it's all in the head, most people. And they are beaten before they get there. So one thing that a lot of you know, I get asked a lot, and, and you'll know the answer to this very well, is people say so what, what goes through your head before, before you go to a big lift? Like, say before you deadlift, like, when you get your suit on and stuff, like, yeah. what goes through your head? Yeah. And I'm like, well, not a fucking lot, really. Like, I go to pull it. And it, it's like, but this is the mindset that's already built. Like, yeah. what, what was your thought and mindset, like, going up to the lift? Like, how did you get ramped up? Like, because obviously a lot of people, if they'd only pulled, say, 70% of what they were about to pull, they wouldn't be able to do it just because the head would say no. Yeah, that's the thing. It's the head. But but I don't, like, like you said, I don't think of anything. I mean, I, I do ask, I get this question so much. And you try it sometimes over the years. You try to think of an answer to, to satisfy them because it's like, <laughs> it's like, I went out to a thousand pound deadlift bar. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just thinking about pulling that bar as hard as I can in perfect form. Um, but if you've done the training behind it and you've done the work, you know you're going to pull it. I knew I was going to pull that. I had no doubts. If I'd have failed, I'd have been shocked. And all my lifts in competition have all been the same way because I don't kill myself in the gym. I train quite smart. You know what I mean? I don't, I'm not a grinder. You don't have to, tra- training's training. Competition is when you're testing yourself. You're not testing yourself in the gym. Well, I, I don't. I, I, I overtrain very quickly. And that's something people have got to figure out for themselves, you know, as they go along. People, I mean, some lifters are not, not as explosive as me, would have to train it a little bit heavier um, towards the competition. But what I used to do, which worked well, is I'd do a lot of heavy work off-season. So I'd, ha- I'd handle the 400 kilo deadlifts off-season for sets of twos and threes. Um, on a stiff bar as well, so I'd get the, the, the I'd no nail into a stiff bar, so it'd make me work harder from the floor, so I'd be building up that power, um, grip strength would be getting strong from the no nailing, because it was a bit of chalk. Um, I'd stop that, but eight to ten weeks out, and then from then I'd drop the weight right down to 180, and I'd start again, but the, the, into the competition then, I wouldn't go much more than 350, so I'd done the heavy 400s, eight to ten weeks out, then I'd backed off, <clears throat> started light, let my body recover from the 400, and over the weeks I started cranking <laughs> things up. And I remember for the 1,000, I pulled 350 for three. Um, and it was like, it, it was lightning. It was so quick, because I'd handled 400, like seven weeks before. And then left and it. And then left it, and let my body recover. Because deadlift's not like a squat, you know what I mean? You're on a bench, you're not going to walk under a weight that you haven't felt for eight weeks, nine weeks, because then it would give your body a shock because you're actually feeling the weight on your shoulders and your back. 
but with deadlifts, you don't. It's not the same lift. Lifters can get away with doing so much less. And let me just tell you, there's just one example here. There's a guy, Simon, who I train with. Um, he's a decent deadlift. He's only, he's only a beginner. You know what I mean? He's, he's nothing. He's not big. He's 90 kilos. He's not like a pro powerlifter or anything. But we were training one night, and he, he pulled the 170. Um, it looked okay. It wasn't great. And then he said, I want 200. So I said, okay. I think you're not going to get it. But he goes 200. Didn't move it off the floor. So we just sat and looked at each other. I thought, okay. So I said, right, Dan, what are we going to do now for the next four weeks, four or five weeks? All I want you to do is pull 100, 140 kilos every week. I want you to pull it as quick as you can. And we're going to, we're going to start with higher volume, five, five threes, and work down to three threes over weeks. And just pull it quicker, quicker, quicker. And then, right, so we've done that now. Now we're going to go back to a, a heavier one. He pulled a comfortable 200 off the back of 140 for five weeks, where he couldn't even move 200 off the floor five weeks before. And that's some only doing speed work for them five weeks, nothing else. And that's that speed work, because a lot of people wouldn't prescribe speed work to someone with with those numbers. No. Like, for example, Louis Simmons wouldn't yeah. let you touch speed work at that. Yeah, I do. I, I, I said, speed work's good only if pulled in perfect you know what I mean? Exactly. If if you're pulling with maximum intensity, yeah, that, that's it. I mean, I, I know Tom Tom won't let any of his lifters pull until I think they're doing twice body weight. Um, with me, if you can generate, if they're generating the force and the form's good and they're tight throughout, then I will put it in for them. Um, because the, by even if even if you're not the fastest puller in the world. You still need to be a try because when you get a heavyweight a competition, you've still got to pull it as hard as you can. So all you're doing with the lighter weights is practicing the pull and not yanking it. One second, my right. dog's off mental. <coughs> Thank you. I'm having a nightmare, mate. <laughs> Come here. Come here. Donut. Um, go back to speed work yeah. again. <laughs> oh, now the dog's run off. Come here. You've got a dog as well, Andy? I have. Mine's barking a bit now. <laughs> mine's absolute fucking donut. No, mine's off. Mine's um, off mine. She's all right. So, uh, in regards to speed work with, obviously, novice lifters, you still do it. I suppose it works as technique work, though, right? That's exactly what it is. It's technique. It's being able to, to apply the tension to the bar. I mean, their speed is not what you class as speed work because it's not pull fast. Enough. But, see, yeah, you can give it another label. Um, but it's still training them to pull the bar faster and to pull it in good, pulling pull with tension um, while, while pulling in good form. It's a good training. I think it makes a big difference. It's a good training tool. For sure. And I mean, I remember I've I'm similar to you in terms of I'm a very like powerful puller. Yeah. Um I'm nowhere near where you are yet. <laughs> but in terms of being a powerful puller, the first time when I pulled 330 for the first time, yeah. I pulled it up real quick and it got to my mid-fire and stopped. Yeah. And I was like, this has never happened before. Yeah. Like, never, ever. And I didn't even know in my head, I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, why is it stopped? Yeah. 
I think I think look it for that without having seen it. I think you've you've pulled it, tried to pull it too fast on the floor. You've lost a bit of tightness and form, and when you've gone to your knees, you, you're out of position a little bit. Mm. And that's what tends to happen with most of us. They try to pull it too fast, and then it ends up stalling. Ends up stalling, yeah, because they lose that tightness at the bottom. It, it takes a lot of doing to pull a weight fast as you can without going sloppy with it, you know, without losing that that form and that technique at the bottom. It takes it takes practice. A lot of practice. One thing I wanted to ask you was, you must have had a lot of training partners in your time and travelled around a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, where did you find the best environment for you to train was? Well, do you know what it is? Honestly, I don't train outside my own my own area that that often. Um, when I was 18, got into bodybuilding, into gym, I met a group of powerlifters um, and they were like IPF champions, travelling world. And I, I said I'd committed to bodybuilding for two years, so I was doing bodybuilding. But they kept on saying, you're too strong to be a bodybuilder. They were, they were coming bike, bike, when I was sat on bike for an hour after sessions and they were all going home and they were starving or fucking killing myself dieting. And they said, well, as soon as you finish that competition, you need to come and train with us. So when I, when I competed in bodybuilding at age 20, I went to powerlifters then. I went with them. Um, and it's it's been more or less similar guys all the way through. Um, a few have left, but with them we bring people in. So I'm always at the same place with the same sort of team all the time. Team changes, but it's always the same guys week in, week out. Um, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm very much, I would not have done what I did in powerlifting without a team around me. Because um, I, I got I got a team around me at very early very early age in, in, in my powerlifting, so it just it just it just we just feed off each other. It's just I mean I've tried, I've gone to other gyms and done little bits, but it isn't the same energy. It isn't the same energy. It's not the same team you've, you've grown up with. It's it's, it's un- unusual for someone to train in an environment and stay in an environment for so long. Yeah. Yeah, it, it'd be it'd be good, that good. Yeah, but don't forget, back then when I was coming up, uh, when I started powerlifting, it was raw, virgin, unequipped. It was just turning over to equipped. Now then, I moved with, with the we equipped powerlifting because that's what powerlifting was back then in the early nineties. It become equipped powerlifting. There were no raw versus equipped. It were all equipped. Uh, is that is that when the WPO came about? No, the first Sorry. WPO show two thousand and two. Um, so, so in 90, 91, 92, 93, I did the powerlifting as a junior. And in 94, I moved to Strongman from 94 to 99. Then I come back into powerlifting in 2000 in Vegas. But that, that's when it's that, that was 2000 was a start. That just does that's the first year that I come back into powerlifting. They'd give prize money. And I got, so I got prize money for winning the 140 kilo class at the World Championships. That was the WPC. <laughs> And then I think 2001, I went to South Africa, again, WPC. And then I think the next year, that was the first WPO, was the 2002 in Florida. But I never did that that one. I did um, I did something else. I can't remember what I did. I did something else. And then I found out I had to go qualify. Me and Dave Beater flew over to New Orleans at the end of 2002, at like five weeks' notice, to qualify for the 2003 WPO finals, um, but but that was that was all equipped back then. So so you think about it, when you're putting bench shirts on, squat suits on, you need a team around you. 
There's no way you can put them on your own. There's no way. Sure. Yeah, and when we, we was on the end, I ended up benching over 300 kilos and squatting over 500s. And I mean, I didn't train that heavy on squatting in training, but I still squat over 400. Um, so you need people around you supporting you and just for safety. Uh, but back then there were no there were no real commercial gyms, you know, like this today. So it were old all old school gyms. You could put shirts on, chalk everywhere, make a noise, bang weights. There were no problem back then. Where today's it's changed a lot now because the raw raw's coming, raw's the main powerlifting now. But a lot more people now are training in commercial gyms by themselves or just one guy and his mate. Um, so equip lifting now, it's impossible to train for because you haven't got the numbers. I don't think you've got the numbers and the people around you like we did back then. It's it, it's very like the when you look at equip powerlifting and you look at those that era yeah like it's hardcore yeah like it it's the most hard i remember seeing you i don't know if it was flex or muscle fitness but when i when i was a kid yeah i remember seeing you in a suit i think it was when you pulled a thousand pounds i'm thinking oh fucking hell <laughs> look at that yeah. guy that's hardcore yeah. like he's he's fucking bright red yeah like i remember seeing it and, and from that from those sort of moments i was obsessed with with heavy lifting yeah. and, and especially like seeing and understanding suits because i must have understood suits from a young age i was like why would you not want to pull in a suit yeah but now you get the sort of ipf lifters that are very i don't know it just seems a lot more pc i think it is today Pe- people i mean to me i respect a raw lift if somebody does something raw you know when um when that petros brought the all-time world record raw um i sent him a message you know what I mean? Um, and when Daniel Bell broke it again, um, I sent him a message, chatted a little bit. I mean, he's raw, I were equipped. But you've got to respect big lifting. <laughs> Lifting's lifting. Now, people today, it's like... it's, it's like a, Strong it's, is strong. It, today, yeah. Today, it's like, oh, you're equipped. You look down on you like you've done something wrong. There's, there's nothing wrong with equipped lifting. I mean, if I hadn't lifted equipped all the years, I wouldn't be lifting now. My body would be in pieces. To be honest, it wrecks your body. A quick lifting, you're lifting more weight, but it is supporting your body. Um, I just think once someone's so say like you've got a lifter and they're str- they're getting super strong raw, yep. like in your head you're instantly thinking, we put gear on this guy. Yeah, how strong is he going to like? What can he lift? And I don't I don't understand the mindset behind yeah. not wanting to see that. Yeah, it it was it's harder today because you've got two choices, aren't you now? But back then you didn't have two choices. It was either equipped or not. You don't lift or you get beat. Um, and on my view on it, whatever I did, I wanted to take it to the fullest. I wanted to see how strong I could get. Um, and the rules were equipped, so I got the best suits, sponsorship from Inter, best bench shirts, made bench shirts for me, and I tried everything. Uh, you, you find what works, but to me, it's like um, it's like bodybuilding when you're building your body and you you're working on that muscle group. The same in powerlifting. I mean, I, I had a weaker bench. I had to work on my bench. I had to talk to everybody, find out different ways of training. What can I do to make this better? And it was like I was coming home every night thinking I'm missing something here. Something's not. And it just it's one of them. Some people can do that. I enjoyed that. It's like figuring out a jigsaw puzzle. You know what I mean? Someone's going to click. So someone's going to fall into place. Um, but people, some people don't like that. They don't like that stress and that pressure, and they like to take it easy and simple. I mean, that's why you get the champions and the champions, and, and the the guys who just lift for fun. You know, it's two separate people, two different mindsets. To be honest, as well. 
hundred percent. It's in- interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, ca- I don't really get why, like, you'd get involved in a sport at the top level and, and not be obsessed with it. Yeah, I also think today it's, it's watered down. I mean, you can you can you can train for twelve months today, six months, and be a British champion, and go to the European World Championships now. I mean, that that would never happen back then. It wouldn't happen. You had no chance. British Championships. You had the top twelve men in the country all going head to head, and the qualifying totals were higher then than they are now. I mean, how ridiculous is that? You know what I mean? You, you had to lift more back then than you do now. I think it puts a lot of it put me off doing powerlifting because there's so many federations. You know, well, who's the best? Yeah, it is. You see, when I started, it was WPC or IPF. That's it. There were two. There were drug tested and drug and and undrug tested. So you you chose which one. I mean, I started in IPF. Started off drug free, and then I left them because I wanted. To, I didn't. Things with IPF. I, I didn't enjoy. The shows, the lifting—I just didn't enjoy the atmosphere. There were no energy. There were no music. There were just like it's flat. Yeah, there were people so quiet, and you lifted, and everybody were looking like it. I don't know. It was just like a bit of a—I just didn't enjoy it. I thought I, I'm not—I don't enjoy this. Then I went to one of um, other competition, WPC. I can't remember what it was in England then. BPF, I think it might have been back then. I remember seeing uh, John Neighbors and all them lift Peter Treslow at this big competition in Stone. Uh, down in Staffordshire, and it was like unbelievable the music, the energy, the big guys coming out. Oh, it was something else. And, you know, I were hooked, I were hooked straight away. That's what I want to do. So I left the IPF and I moved over to that. Because at the end of the day, we do it for fun, don't we? we do it. We're not getting paid loads of money for this. We do it because we enjoy it. Like, I can't imagine. Like, <laughs> the reason I mentioned uh, the WPO is because obviously, like, you see the West Side boys lifting there and yeah. like loud music and the, the, the mono lifts yeah. and whatever. And that's exactly, I remember going to a, an IPF meet, whether it's GBPF, whatever it is, to coach a lad. And I was sat in a bloody fucking hall in the middle of nowhere in like East Midlands and everyone's wearing a suit reffing. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, this is not fun. Um, no music, like dead quiet. Yeah. And I was like, this is crap. And like, when you've seen the other side of powerlifting already, where it's blaring music and guys get amped up and smashing pneumonia and lifted, listening to like heavy metal, I'm like, and the atmosphere and to lift in that atmosphere yeah. must be amazing in comparison. It is. It's, it's a different level. It's a completely different level. I mean, we used to get that at the British in Bournemouth when Brian Brian Batchelor used to put it on, and all them guys. It was some amazing competitions, and, and then Matt Cullimore put his shows on, and Dave Beatty. Um, they're just good shows, but then we went to the Arnold's. Oh, <laughs> that was something else. I mean, I remember the Arnold's. It was just the room. I mean, I think it held about 5,000 people. It was so full. There were people on chairs and standing on people's backs. The fire wardens coming. That's to, that's to stop people coming in. Because it was just packed. It was just full to busting. And when you come out in them lights and you'll see the crowd, the sea of people in front of you, and the energy and the music, you, you can't. It's going to bring the best out of any lifter. You know, it's just incredible when we're lifting against them. West, me, me versus West Side, he was back then. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious because I like, there's not many people back then that went toe to toe versus West Side. What was that like? It was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I got on with all the guys. You know what I mean? We all chatted. Um, and they even um, they asked me to go out there for a while as well, but I turned them down because uh, I, were, I were beating them. 
in squat deadlift and they had a better bench than me but I were out totaling him you know what I mean so I thought I were very uh, I like to be at home me I like to be around my own my own men and uh, people I've grown up with and I just thought I think I can help them more than they can help me here um, and I, I didn't want to be under the West Side banner because I'm not a West Side guy I don't train West Side style I never have done Um so it, it was just, it was like me and them. <laughs> but we got on, we all got on with each other, you know what I mean? There were no bad feeling or all like that. It would be bizarre for you to go over there with your training like mindset. You, you're you not a max effort guy. Uh, yeah, a lot of them guys, to be honest with you, they beat themselves up. They really did destroy their bodies. And I remember lifting against a few of them in early years and then they'd be gone, turned, torn pecs, torn this. Next two years, a couple of other guys would come along they'd disappear. Next guys would come along, they'd disappear. And I was still there all the way through because the, my system of training never brought me down like that. West Side guys, just think that they trained until they broke. You know what I mean? But I, I, didn't, I didn't train like that. I didn't train. I could, I could not train max effort every week and with a variation. I didn't do that. I stuck to basic lifting, basic squat bench deadlift with bodybuilding assistance type work and just working on weaknesses. After every competition, I think like a lot of people love their method because it's because it, it's it's sparkly. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> it's not that's the basics. The thing, yeah, it looks nice on paper. Yeah, it does. And Louis can describe it so yeah. well, but yeah. reality is, if you're getting stronger in your in your assistance lifts, your main lifts are going to get bigger. Yeah. And it's just the basics. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, if you, you put anybody on a basic plan um, like we do and you get stronger, it's working. That's what I always tell people. And they say, what should I change on for this? Well, are you getting stronger? Yeah, well, it's working then. Don't change anything. And you only start changing little bits when you stop getting stronger. Now, I, I never squatted against bands and chains. I never did speed work against chains or bands, anything like that, because I always got stronger and stronger and stronger. I didn't need to. Now, I'm not saying there's not a place for all this stuff, but people overcomplicate it from the beginning. I want to walk into a gym and know exactly what I'm going to squat and just put energy into it. Not have to be measuring bands out for this tension there, that tension there. This week we're doing this, percentage of that. I don't do that. I don't do that. I like to keep it simple and, and just, just train hard. It's more about consistency and hard training and recovery for me. Do you think your mindset, because you're such a driven guy, put you down that you didn't need all that stimulus? You were just like, I lift hard. Yeah. I make the weights move quick. I don't need bands to elicit that response. Yeah, yeah I, I am. I was driven, but but if I wouldn't have got stronger with the way I was doing it, I would have tried other ways. Um, so there's not there's not there's no right way and wrong way. There's only what's right for you. You know, what I did was right for me. Now, all our team will train with me. We had six British champions, two world champions, three European champions. We all train the same way. And everybody who's come to our club, they get better. Now, a lot of it is the energy, the environment, the support you get, the little little tips that you're getting all the time, you know, the constant, constant corrections I'm giving people, other guys are giving people feedback. So it, it's a place where it's very hard not to get stronger. And we don't we don't put bands on, chains on, we don't have all that stuff. We don't do hardly ever variation of bars. We don't do we don't do any max effort until we get to competitions. 
it's very old school. You know, like the old school lifters used to lift. Certainly. I mean, <laughs> I I grew up in, well, very close to Yorkshire and I know all the gyms up that way. A very steel dominant, basic, hard training philosophies. Uh, I think it does breed that. Yeah, there. it does. Yeah. You, you don't see that anywhere else in the country. I mean, the, obviously, Bulldog's gym is very similar to yeah. that. Um, but there's there's few and far between gyms that are like that sort of area of the country. Yeah. I mean, you know, what is, a group of guys we train with, we, we all come from council estates. You know what I mean? Just regular, we have to fight to survive growing up. And, and it's a group of lads who have come together like that. We haven't been given anything. We, we struggle, we struggle, and it's just like all we all we knew was to lift, and we just we just trained hard, but but smart as we went on, we trained smarter and smarter, and it, it's just that drive we all had. It's like you know when you see these boxers that come from these from the gutter and, and they, they go to these little rundown little boxing gyms and they become world champions, and, and the guys who have everything given to them, everything's so nice, and they haven't got the same desire and drive. You know what I mean, it comes from how you brought up, where you come from. I think a lot. Of- you don't. You, you don't want to embarrass yourself. Yeah. You've got very much a lot of pride in yourself, and you, you're training hard to get out yeah, of that of situation. Right. Yeah, yeah. I always wanted to be something that somebody that you know I, I could walk somewhere and people knew my name. It, it was like I, I wanted to be known for something. And when you're young, you don't know what it is. I just, I just, I wouldn't go out with my friends as a kid. I'd just stay in my bedroom reading bodybuilding books and just dreaming about being somebody special one day. And I had no idea. I played um, track and field. I was a sprinter, played rugby league, um, did some bodybuilding. And I was good at every all of them, but I wasn't, it wasn't that, it just didn't get me hooked. You know what I mean? It just didn't get me. But then when I've met powerlifting and I met these lads, all of a sudden it was like, right, this is where I want to be now. This it just it seemed to all click into, into place, to be honest. It was just, that's what I had to do. Is where you yeah, belonged. Yeah, it was. It was just a perfect fit. Perfect fit. It's it's incredible. I mean, when I said to, I said to some of my training partners, I've got oh, I've got Andy Bolton on the podcast, and I'm like, you know who he is, right? And like, yeah, of course, fucking know who he is. Yeah. But that's exactly what you dreamed of. Yeah, it is. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, and I get that all the time. Sometimes you take it for granted because I, I, I'm very humble. Honestly, I'm, I, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll talk to anybody anywhere we go. I'll answer questions where where I am. Um, and sometimes it's 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 hard for me to actually you know to realise this because you go at seminars and people are coming up to you and they're shaking they're, they're not nervous and and I'm just a shy kid from bloody I was shy as a kid I was very easily got embarrassed very quiet I still I'm quiet now really I just I put all my energy into lifting you see that that's where my personality comes out but outside that I was very quiet when I was young growing up. So it's hard to really believe sometimes what's happened over these years. Yeah, I, I mean, you're just a working class yeah, lad. From yeah, York, yeah, exactly. My me, me, me mum brought us up and my dad was a bus driver, you know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> my dad's a bus yeah, driver. <laughs> bus driver for 35 years, he went army and he'd come out of army and bus driving and he was there for 30 odd years, 40 years or whatever. You know, just a regular childhood, really. <laughs> It's, it must be bizarre that people do come up to you now and be like, oh my God, Andy, like shaking, want autographs and yeah, things like that. It's crazy. It's surreal, to be honest with you. But it's something you've worked all your life to get, isn't it? 
Yeah, and then when it happens, you're like, oh, why, why is this happening? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just walking out as well. You know, when you're bigger, when, you, when you're when biggest, when you're biggest, when you walk in mm. places to restaurants and people are looking and pointing and sort of whispering. It's like, I, I'm always aware of it. But it never really bothered me that I could. You know, I mean, it didn't. I didn't phase me. I know some people get bothered by that. It really does get to them. Um, but with me, I just I could see them doing it. And like was they're talking about it over there. It's fine. You know what I mean? It's it's all right. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. What was? What did you weigh at, at your height? Like one six five? No, one as big as that. Um, at my strongest lifting weight it, between one fifty two and one fifty six, fifty seven. I'd say at my strongest. Do you feel? Did you feel good? Yeah, at that I felt weight? great at that weight. Yeah, I, I have pushed it up to one sixty five, one sixty, one seventy even, but I could not compete. I couldn't compete at one seventy. I was too big. I could barely breathe. I couldn't even bloody put my arm up at shoulder level without my fingers going numb. Um, so I would Jesus not have been Christ. able to lift it that weight. But I felt. I thought one fifty two to one fifty five. I was. I was fit. Well, I'm saying fit. Fit for powerlifting. But but I, I could go through um, all warm-ups, three good squats, all warm-ups, three good benches, and I could still come out and open up the 410 on deadlift if needed. You won't, yeah, you no, won't feel I like shit like, by yeah, And then after that, I could go back to the um, hotel, get some food, get showered, go out for a drink with the lads, with everybody, and I was fine. I, I wasn't like completely wasted and beaten up. Um, so yeah, I will think that's, that that's incredible that because there's not many people that can do no, that. It's um, takes some doing. I mean, after after a full competition, I remember deadlifts. After I remember squatting over 500 or I fours, benching over 300, and I remember pulling opening up on a deadlift at 380. Um, and I went to 410 and then I went 440, so I did three lifts 380, 410, 440 after a full powerlifting comp. And I still felt fresh at the end. It's incredible. Yeah. How, like, how do you stay in that condition? It is. It's just you know what it is. It comes from the training. And at a young age, we're not young age. We're young, young. Um, what were now when we can't remember when we changed it over? But we used to squat on a Wednesday and deadlift on a Friday. And I was pulling up to four hundreds then three eighty, three ninety, four hundred. Um, but I was struggling when I come to deadlifts. I was struggling. I was tired. Um, so then one of the guys in the team, I think it was Brian Reynolds, he said, we're going to put them together. And I hated it. I said, no, I'm not doing that. So I like, I like routine, <laughs> you see. I don't like change routine. Um, he said, no, we're going to put them together. And all these six guys went to squat and deadlift on a Wednesday. Um, and I said, no, I'm not doing it. And while they were doing that, I would deadlift them on a Friday by myself. And it got to about six-week mark. And I thought, oh, fuck this. I can't do this anymore. So I went back to the team again train like that with them. But you know what? And I would be sick every session. I thought, this is hard. Squat deadlifts in one night, three hour sessions. And it was tough. And then um, the next time. Especially after a day at work. Oh, yes, I was working full time as well through all this. I was always working for my big lifts. Um, and then I remember after six months to a year, I went out and deadlifted and I pulled 420. Mm. Pulled the 420 comfortable. Because you're conditioned because doing conditioned the deadlifts and yeah, squats together. Yeah, yeah. When you're training squat and deadlifts together for three hours, it's running like a competition. Every training session, we're like a competition day. There's six guys, eight guys going in order. He goes, he goes, you go. We're going in order and it's running like a competition. We're not just jumping in when we feel like it. You come off, you spot three times, you're off. You get ready before the next lift, next lift is off. 
It's like a competition. You get a minute, you're back on. And we're just replicating that that competition environment all the time. Um, I don't know why any powerlifters don't put squat and deadlift together when they're going to compete like that. I just don't get it. It's specificity, isn't yes. it? It's just, it should yes. be that way. That's how you're going to compete. It's because no one likes it. It's nasty. Is it? Oh, sorry. It's nasty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No one wants to do it. Oh, That's the reality. It's hard work. It's hard work. I mean, I'm going back tomorrow. We're squatting and deadlifting tomorrow. Um, and I can't wait to get back. I can't wait to get back to the gym at Labs and do. But what we do now, we do squat, squat, deadlift, and leg press at the end. Do heavy leg press at the end. That's a lot of it's a lot more. Like people would see that on paper and be like, oh, like like a beginner lifter would see that on paper, but that's oh, not that bad. Yeah. But like the reality is, it takes you. It must take you what best part of like half an hour to work up to a heavy leg press. Would not after deadlifts, no, we're straight in because you're already warm. You're already <laughs> warm. But don't forget as well, this, this is when this is where my kind of training comes into, into its own. You see, because I don't believe in maxing out in the gym. Now, if you had if you had um, anybody else an up-and-coming guy who's, who's started powerlifting and they're not sure how to program and they start maxing out. So they're going up to a max squat and then a max double, say, and then they go straight to deadlift, the max double. Then they go to heavy leg press and go to max. They aren't going to last four weeks like that. They're not going to last. That's that. where speed work comes into its own. So I'd work up to a working set, but the working set would always be to a plan, five reps, three reps, two reps. It would never be singles. Um, but it wouldn't be a max five. I never did fat max fives um, in build-ups. And then I do, always do speed work. I like I like heavier work and speed work in the same session. That's how I used to do it all the time, up to a certain point. Then we've got, I know you do, because Tom started yeah, doing and then, <laughs> Yeah, and then deadlift's the same. Heavier, heavier one in a speed session. Um, then we straight into leg press. And leg press, like anything else, is cycled. It's not just straight in at 10, 11, 12 plates. It's cycled up over weeks. So we start off at six plates, seven. We'll work up to 10, 12. And then we'll come down again and we'll go up again and we'll keep on pushing it up, pushing it up. But then as the weights get heavier um, and you feel like you're not recovering after a big squat, then all you're going to do is just make your deadlift session a speed session to get that little bit of recovery and sit vice versa. And then if you do a, a lighter speed squat, because you're going to push deadlift a little bit, you can push your deadlift on and do a speed squat session. It's not going to hurt. Um, so we, all, I always start them together, going up together to a point. Obviously, now I've got older, so I'm not recovering quite as quick. So now I can go up to a certain level, and then I've got to start doing alternate. You know, one speed, one heavy, and vice versa like that. So that that's how you would manage yeah. your fatigue effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, don't forget now, this is another thing. My lower back, it's only getting worked on a Wednesday night. Squatting, deadlifting. My, my lower back's not getting worked any other time. So I get a full week rest for my lower back. Now, my next session I go in on a Friday is upper back. Upper back, um, grip, hamstrings, the leg, the, all the leg assistance, the leg extensions. We normally do high, high rep leg extensions to flush any blood out, uh, all the acid, all the buildup from your legs on a Wednesday, a lot of hamstring curls, single leg, um, lion leg curls, just lots lots of volume, calves, um, upper back, a lot of rowing movements. Um, then we do um, kettlebell swings, any grip training, two or three grip movements, have a bit of fun with it, rotate it round, make it into a little bit of a competition. 
we always do us as power planks. We do power planks every session. Um, and I do my added cardio on my off days as well. So, and then you do, I'm assuming you do press yeah, on the yeah, Monday, right? Yeah, last night we did bench, um, bench, and then my shoulders, triceps, some biceps, some core. Yeah, we do all that last night. So you only, tra- I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, like the amount of guys that I bring in as like a novice athlete and they're like, wait a second, why am I only doing four days a week? I'm like, whoa, we could go down to three days a week. I'm like, no, 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 I like to train six days a week. I'm like, you're never going to recover training for six times a week. Well, you know, every, every new client I get, I always send them a question sheet. I always get information from them. And then they come back, I can, how many days a week are you available to train? Five, six days a week. We're, we're going to start on three. And I'm like, oh, right, okay. Is that all we're going to do? Yeah, just let's just see how you go. We can always, it's better to start low and go up rather than go up and come down. And then, you know what, after a few weeks, I think, oh, no, I think three, three, I think three days is all right. <laughs> if you're training hard enough, I said to my wife last night, I come home last night and I was knackered. The weights weren't heavy. It's just the volume of training and the, the, the intensity we're putting in. It's not heavy weights. We're not maxing out on anything. But I said to her, now I know why I only train three days a week. Because it's hard. It's hard. The effort, if you put the effort in, it's hard. And you know what? I've always trained three days. People, yeah, but you never used to train three days a week. Yeah, I did. When I started powerlifting, I was training three days a week, age twenty. The traditional powerlifting split is three days yeah, a week because yeah. the amount of the amount of things I've read, I've gone yeah, three days a week, yeah. three days a week, and I thought some some it's four days a week. The last day is just yeah. assistance, or you know, it's not a hard day. Yeah, so it's very typical. Yeah. But the idea behind any of it for me is. Before you try, I see all these fancy routines out there and you see people doing all these splits. If it's working for them, it, it's the right routine. There's no right and wrong routine. But to me, if you start doing each lift once a week, see how you progress. If you don't progress, you might have to start squatting twice a week or benching twice a week. You know, but if you, you need to start at the bottom and work up and, and just add things as needed. Don't just see somebody online now with YouTube and social media he does this split, and I want to copy what he does. And they end up burning themselves out. And then after two or three weeks, they end up getting fed up and they have a, they have a month off because then they can't be bothered. They, they fall out of love with it because they're setting themselves up, self up to fail, you see, at the beginning. You've got to stick it in stages. I also think if you'd have had that mindset where you was constantly changing, you'd have done the West Side stuff and you wouldn't have, yeah. like, that wouldn't have worked it for you. You know what? There, there was a time when I tried it. I remember squatting over 500. And coming back and saying, you know what, we're going to squat against bands and all that. We're going to try it. And I remember squatting against bands and just feeling very tired um, against bands, against chains. and felt super powerful in the gym. Um, but then after a f- two or three weeks, it started to fade, started to really start to wear on my body. So I ended up competing in Bull Farm. Um, I squatted 470. It was the worst 470 I've ever done. I took it off. It felt heavy. I didn't get deep enough. I was shaking. It was just horrible. And I, I, I talked to Brian Reynolds, who got me into powerlifting. When I'm in airport, I, would, I called him up and said, this is what happened. He goes, bands and chains, and they don't work. They don't work for you. You're old school. Stick to what you know and what works. So I went straight back to what I knew. And then it just clicked straight away again. <coughs> it make, Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, because you're so, because you're such a powerful lifter, like, 
what a band's going to increase in terms of your speed. Like for some lifters, they're great because they kind of teach them how to yeah, move. Yeah. But if you're already quick, yeah, that's it. I don't see. It's not really going to make much difference. Everything's got its place, you know. There's no like I was saying. There's no right and wrong. If you're getting stronger, if you if you squat five days a week and you're getting stronger, it's working. But but I always say as well. Whatever you when when you go training, when I go training, I put hundred percent effort into training. Now, there has been times over years when I've gone to four days. I've tried four days for a while, and what I found out, when going in for that fourth day, I'm always going in feeling I can't be bothered. I can I feel tired. I'm I'm not giving it the same energy the other three days, so I. I cut it out straight away because it's this is not working. It's not. It's not. It's wearing me down. <coughs> and that's not what, how you would. You don't want to enter the gym not giving your no. all. It's it's better to be recovered. Exactly. How? What was your? What did you do for recovery? Very little, if I'm honest. Back now, back then, if you look at all the methods now, back then I used to get a lot of massaging. Probably get massages two or three times a week. Um, sleep a lot. It's a sleep so much I, I could sleep 10 hours a night and then I'd always have an hour and a half two hour nap in an afternoon um, <laughs> half your yeah, life all, honestly, it would just it would just eat sleep and train um, back then it was there was nothing else um, I very rarely did go for walks I would do cardio twice a week on a Thursday and Saturday I'd do an incline treadmill for 20 minutes at a hard pace um, that got me to a certain level, um, but the fact our sessions are so long, all the competition lifts done together, it, it, that in itself were getting you ready for what you had to do in the competition. You see, yeah, hundred percent. Like now, if you did it again, would you change those bits of recovery? Would you yeah, do more? No, I'd do more recovery, and I would do more cardio. I would, I would do more walking, more bike, or whatever. Yeah, I would definitely, definitely. That. What was uh, what was food like back then? I, because I imagine it would just get a lot in. It right? was, it was. You know, it is. It's. I mean, we all know the basics. We all know to eat eggs, drink meat. Like old school, eat red meat, chicken, all your protein, your eggs, your milk. Um, we'd eat. I'd always make sure I had all the good, the good foods in. But then on top of that, it'd be I'd have fish and chips, curries. I'd have whatever chocolate. I'd eat anything. But I wouldn't eat that only. I'd always have the good food first and then that to make up the calories. I, I tried over the years just eating cleaner food and I just thought my weight dropped. Um, I got. I felt like I was getting weak. Um, now, if I'd have kept it for long enough and known enough about nutrition back then, I probably could have got stronger again, you know. Um, but we didn't know back then. We didn't, we didn't know like people that like we know today. It's come different times. All the guys, There's a lot more science involved. Yeah, it is. I think it's gone too sciencey though now. People have, have lost their hard work. That, that's all about science and measuring this speed, that speed. Just fucking pull it. Just fucking just pull. Just train hard. I think that people have lost a little bit. The like, for example, some athletes that want to do it, you know, they'll train until they're fucking dead, yeah. and they have to be pulled back. But I feel like there's there's more athletes now that use the science as a crutch. Like, oh, I shouldn't do this because, yeah. well, well how do you feel? Like you said, how do you feel? Do you feel okay? Yeah. Cool, crack on. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's about how you feel. Uh, I'd walk into 
um, sessions. I think I walked into a session five weeks out from thousand pound deadlift, and I, I said to the lads, "I'm not. I squatted. I said, I'm not. I'm not deadlifting. What do you mean you're not deadlifting? Said, I'm not deadlifting. I'm just. I'm not feeling it tonight. <laughs> you're going for a thousand pound on in five weeks. I said, "Yeah, it'll be all right though. It'll be all right. It'll be all right." <laughs> I said, I cannot pull today, physically pull today. I'm feeling off. I'm just feeling tired and the body's just... Don't forget, I've been training for how many, 16, 18 weeks for this, pulling up to 400s off season and then going down, coming up. And it just... I always used to get a bit of a cold and a sniffle about four or five weeks out, always. Like, I'm just, just on the verge of overtraining. Um, so I started... Once I figured it out, I started to miss that session every time. I just had a complete... Just rest, just went straight home again. And then next week I'd come in and it just it'd be it'd be fine it'd be back to normal again, but you need you need to have the confidence to be able to do that. I think you also need to like need to know that if the bar's not moving quick one week, it's it's just that day. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. People get really, really, really angry about it, and they go home and they, they think, "Fucking hell, what's happened there? That's it. I'm weak." And that's when people say, "I'm going to take more drugs, do this, more this, start eating more." You know what I mean? The, the, the blame it and everything else. Apart from a bad day, <laughs> or not enough sleep, yeah, or yeah, anything it can be like that. It can be, I've, I have sessions mm. now like that. Oh, look at lads, you know that's not heavy. <laughs> you know what I mean? The week after you're flying again. Yeah, and it could be because you did a really good session on the Monday. Yeah. You see an S still fried. You come in on Wednesday, think, oh yeah, and then the bar just moves yeah. slow. You just need to yeah, rest. Just, that's all it is, rest. But people don't do that. Rest is the last thing they do today. They train more. They don't know. They don't believe in rest and sleep. It's, it's true. I mean, I'm thankful that Tom, when I got to like mid freeze, he went, "Are oh, you too strong on deadlift now? So you're going to do a good morning every other week yeah. instead of a deadlift." And I was like, "All oh, right." So, uh, he's like, "You're still going to do speed work and deadlift, but you're not going to go heavier." Yeah. That. My head first. I was like, "If it was anyone else, and I'd have said it to them, I'd be like, yeah, yeah.'" But because it was me, I was like, "Oh, uh, I'm not sure." It's got better. He's much better. Yeah. I'm not fucked every week. Well, that's a good way to do it with good mornings, to be honest. It was, Tom Tom showed me them safety bar good mornings with pause at the bottom. Uh, I mm. used to send Tom my videos, so I started doing a lot of them. But I mean, when I'm deadlifting hard, I don't need them in as well because we started doing them on a second day. You know, I, I tried it. I tried a lot of things. So we deadlift and squat on a, on a Wednesday, then I put them in on a Friday, good mornings. But after three or four weeks, my back was tired because I was already deadlifting hard on a Wednesday. So it's, it's, it's much working the same muscles again. Uh, it's the same yeah, movement exactly. the load is exactly just different yeah. exactly we, when you go down to that level guys go down to like my starting position on the deadlift and just pause and really power it up and I, I love the movement <coughs> but it's no good if you're deadlifting heavy as well that week no no you definitely I mean I did I did a set last week and I just deadlifted before I jumped on the call yeah. but I didn't deadlift last week and I felt great on my deadlift this week and I felt great on my good yeah. morning but if I'd have done them in the same, like when he used to program deadlift and good morning afterwards, I'm like, I don't reckon I can do this yeah. I mean, you could do just good mornings for four weeks and come back to deadlift and you won't be any weaker. It, no, it, that's, I think that's what Westside yeah, used to do. It's the one move. See, back then I never did good mornings. I didn't even know what a good morning was. I saw it as this thing you put on your back and you're leaning over and you're putting your back in, your back in a bad position. But um, because I didn't need anything like that, because I was never weak on that, that then lifts, I never looked into doing them, you see. Um, but now, because I'm coaching more people as well, I'm a little bit more open now to other other ways. You know, there's more than one way to to train people. 
you you are very much as well like when you look at you as an athlete you you you're very gifted genetically yeah yeah you're great great fast twitch fibers you would have excelled in most sports should have done whereas like glenn penley always talks about um the russians just having hundreds of amazing athletes whereas in america you have to train normal people yeah. and you can't use the same method you can't no you, I mean, you, you take little bits of everything don't you and mm. you've also got to make it interesting for them because these guys are not going to be world-class athletes just general people who want to get a bit stronger um, I've got a lot of people right now who are doing really well and they're, they're loving it because they're getting they put five ten kilo on a PB and that's it they're loving it they, they really can't believe it but I, I'm, I'm a big stickler for technique and progressing slowly I don't put too much on them too soon you know and the, the ones who are patient do well do well out of it the ones who are a bit impatient don't do well and they don't stay long because they want everything now and then I've, a few people as well I've had to I've had to drop because uh it's, they, get, they get into the drug side of it and they're like, well, what should I take for this? And it's like, they're using that as a as a thing to get strong rather than the work and the technique and food and sleep. And, and if anything, the more drugs they take, the more sleep they need, the more yeah, food they need. it's all got a part. It's all part of the big picture, isn't it? But it's um, when they're just relying on that one thing and the training's sloppy and the technique's crap and, and the... You know, they're going out on the weekend and partying as well. It's just ridiculous. It's like they're going to kill themselves anyway, most of them. <laughs> it's true. How did, how, did you, how did you find the transition from being very elite to, to training normal people? Did you find it easy? Because, I mean, you're very down to earth, you're very humble. Or did you find it hard? I, I find it easy. I, I don't really coach any top, top great athletes. Because, honestly, I don't want to. I don't want to have no interest. I have a couple and I've just not, because I find with them top athletes, they know what works for them. They're coming to you. I don't know why they come to you sometimes. You know what I mean? They come to you. They're difficult. Yeah, and, and they don't listen to your ideas. It's hard work. Some, and I'm not in it for that. I, I'd rather have a guy who's, I've got a guy now who's a dentist. He's a dentist. He trains in his garage. He's put 30 kilos on his squat in last year. You know, 20 kilos on his deadlift, and he's pulling like a speed pulls, like perfect form. And he's just an average guy, but you know what? He loves it. And I get more satisfaction from that than I would a world class athlete, to be honest. I'm I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I mean, I've got a few guys who are on the way up. There's a strongman guy, Andy Black, I'm working with now. And he's, he's only been, oh, is you coaching Andy? Andy? Yeah, yeah. It's a monster. Yeah, he's only been training 18 months. I know, I heard that. He's, he's, I saw a picture of him. He smashed the Scottish yeah, qualifier. He's won he? three shows now in a row. Well, do you know what it is with Andy? He come to me um, and he were, I got him deadlifting. First I was doing his deadlift, then I started doing his overhead pressing. Then I started doing a bit more. So I've slowly progressed with him. But uh, with Andy, he was pulling like 250s, 260s. He was strong enough. The, the weight were easy, but he was getting a lot of pain in his back, in his, his middle of his back. And I was trying over online to, to watch his videos and tell him, I said, I can't, I cannot physically help you like this. You need to come down and see me. So he'd come down to Rowles and he trained with guys and I corrected him, brought his stance in, where his arms went, a few little details. He pulled 300 for five same day, like it was nothing. I thought, shit, this guy's good. And then, then we cycled him up and he ended up doubling 380. What, in just, just a belt? A belt yeah. <laughs> Jesus Honestly, Christ! He'll pull over four hundred this year, four ten, four twenty, and more. The, the man's a monster. I saw. I, I saw. I, 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 I 
I seen him on Instagram, but obviously when he, you see him and he's lifting, it's just him. You don't understand how oh, big he is until you yeah. see him next to the other line out lineup. He's, he's I think it's six foot seven, six foot eight, hundred and ninety kilos when you come down here. <clears throat> He'll be coming down. I was talking to him this morning actually about his training because he's going over his next shows, what he's gonna do, so we're making a plan for him now. Um He'll be, he'll be coming down again in next uh, month or so. Let's have a squat and deadlift with us on a Wednesday night again. What do they do? Bring him down the back of a transit van? I know. That's what they're holding <laughs> it. You know, it's <laughs> like, uh, he walked through the door. Like, Shit. This guy's big looking up. He's a giant. Fucking mad. Yeah, he's going to do very well at UK's. It's, got, it's, a, it's a comp that suits him as well because it's not, it's, you know, it's stiff bars. It's not fucking deadlift bars. Yeah. It's, it's raw strength. It's, it's just belts. There's no suits. It's, he looks like that sort of guy. That's big Scotch lad, very yeah, strong. Yeah, he is. He is. He's, um, he's going to go a long way. And I, I know Giants Live, I know Giants Live guys knows, knows about him um, and they're keeping an eye on him. So he's got a good future. Just got with Andy, see, I've talked to him a lot. It's it, like any lifter, he wants to pull big. He wants to pull big in training and hold him back, hold him back. Um, in training, it's not the time to pull big, Andy. And I talked to him this morning about this. I said, when you pull a deadlifting competition next, people are going to look and think, fuck, what, wow, that's going to be like, wow. But in training, Andy, don't mean, don't mean anything. <coughs> well, it's, uh, let's, let's face it, if he, if, he puts, if he pulls over 400 and puts a little bit legitimately more on that deadlift, he's going to get him invited to the World Deadlift Championship. Good deal, but them guys, are, them guys are strong now. Though you're looking at, I think you're looking at 450 plus now. Them guys. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like you got like Pavlo yeah. who pulled 400 yeah. for six quite quite comfortably. Yeah, I, I was talking to Pyman. No, Pyman is it Pyman? I was talking yeah. to him last night actually about his training because I sort of help him. A lot. I don't program him. He's got his own ideas, but he asked me little things. What do I think? And we sort of bounce ideas backwards and forwards because um, he, he's hopefully coming to world deadlifts as well. Um, I just said, make sure you hold back, you know, hold back. And he told me what he does. I thought that makes sense. He's, he's got his head, he's got his head screwed on. He's got his head screwed on, so he knows what he's doing. That seems what you're best at is almost consulting. With those you know, what guys. that's that's the one thing I like to do. I don't want to be put full in charge of their training because what it is with them guys, they've already got. Them guys are already at a level where they, they know what they're doing. Let's be honest. I mean, they don't get to that level without knowing what they're doing. So I like to just bounce ideas backwards and forwards, sit with them, a phone call, a coffee or whatever, and just go over little things. We did the same thing chatting to Luke Richardson the other week about his training and different things. And I just recommended putting lifts in different days and putting things together. And he's like listening. All oh, right, that makes sense. That. And he, he's done what I said and he's, He's feeling the benefit already from it. He said it makes sense and it's it's helping him recover now. It's just little tweaks, you see. I, mean, I don't coach him by any means, but <coughs> from doing it myself and lifting them big weights, I know how it feels in your body sometimes. So I can I can relate to what these guys are going through sometimes. There's not many people that have been where you've been, and I think, and, and there's not many people that have been where you've been at. 150 plus yeah. body weight most of them are a lot heavier that's than it, that that's it and I, I know the sort of toll it takes on your body you know to be that big and how tired you get and and the, I was a strong man I was a powerlifter these guys haven't a fit events in as well you see so it's a whole different game so if they're pushing it too hard in other things the events are going to struggle so it's getting a balance between that and that and I, I, just what to focus on you know if something's not in the competition you don't have to focus on it you just have to focus on what you need to compete in. 
Yeah, and, and just keep the staple lifts that you know you need in there to yeah, get you better all around. That's it. So, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's great that you're giving back and you're not just left the sport because some, some top athletes just leave the sport and then that's it. You're obviously very, very, very passionate. I, I love it, so. yeah. You know what it is? I, I mean, I've got a family, wife and daughter, and I do all right with business. But but it's something I love. I mean, if I, I've, when you've done something like this since you were young, I don't understand how people can walk away. I, I don't. If you love what you do, <laughs> why would you want to walk away? Something that makes you wake up in the morning, I'm thinking about training. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do tomorrow. I've worked on my plans out for this week. I know exactly what I'm doing tomorrow. It's just part of the way I'm, you see, lifting and working plans out and programming and being with lads. Especially loving routines. Yeah. <laughs> it suits you down to yeah. the ground. Honestly, I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have it. What would I do? And people say, oh, are you going to stop training? When are you going to retire? When are you going to stop? Why, why would you retire and stop lifting? I don't get it. <laughs> There's no reason to. People think because you need to be all taking loads of drugs and loads of fucking getting, you know, there's different levels. There's different levels to this. You don't have to be that guy who's pushing the boundaries all the time. No, it's true. I think the only thing I would give up is yolk. Yeah, well, that, that's brutal <laughs> on your body, though, isn't it? Yolk's a killer. And that's that's why when the like the top deadlift guys are like actually preparing for a comp and they're having to do yolk and heavy deadlifts or, or whatever, it's yeah. just it's it's hard. Well, man. the best thing there is to put them together. Squat, squat, deadlift, and yoke together. That's the best way to do it. And rotate the loads. And then you can at least rest. And then at the weekend, you can do um, your other other events that are as stressful. Make, that makes a lot of sense, to be fair, to get yoke out of the yeah, way yeah, on that you, heavy then, neural Then day. muscle groups already warmed up. You've already warmed up for it by doing squat and deadlifts. And you don't have to, I'm not talking about max squat and deadlifts. Straight into a yoke, you're warmed up. Everything's working. You don't have to do like an hour on your. You just work up to whatever you're doing, do a few runs, you know. But your body's warm, and your recovery then is all going to happen at the same time, rather than doing a load up through your back like that and another load on this day. It's just putting too many loads on your body over a week. Yeah, it makes it makes perfect sense. I mean, so many people get yoke. Yeah. Very quickly. I, I obviously you can cycle it with speed and not yeah. not go heavy all the time, but if you you still get very tired. Of course it. you do. It's brutal for your hips and hips and knees, though, isn't it? To be honest, it's quite a hard. Every step you take, and it's it's a big load on your shoulders. Did you find you felt like shit when you did strongman the whole time in comparison to powerlifting? Yeah. Obviously, when you finished the powerlifting, it felt good. I, I did. Yeah, it was a lot harder because you try to cover more events, aren't you? To be honest, it's, you're covering everything. So, um, but back then we didn't have the access to all the events like they have now. Now we can go anywhere and train events. Back then there wasn't, we didn't have that same equipment, you see, so it was harder then. So we, we had to rely on doing more competitions to practice the events. The more comps we did, the better better practice I got. Because uh, eventually it's like using it like an event yeah. rather than... I mean, that's what a lot of big strong men back then used to do. I, know, I remember Sven Carlson and that told me. Sven used to get really strong off-season get really deadlift squat all your base same as Jamie Reeves you just get really strong and then they'd use the competitions as a way to get into shape for world's strongest man at the end of the season so they'd always be trying to yeah, peak at that's the end it. of the so season so they'd start off be... big with a heavy body weight at the beginning with all that power and then they did event after event they'd start dropping the weight down and then, then they're all in the best shape at the world at the end of the season you know I mean, that's when they're at the fittest. They weren't as strong, but now they, have to, they could move. 
Whereas in comparison now, where a guy just do two comps a year. Yeah, it's different now. I think there's more to choose from now, isn't there? And there's different ways to do it. And the money's a lot better now. And everything's different now. And you've got... I think the money dictates a lot where people yeah. go now. I think it's going to get worse in the coming yeah. years. And now. you've got access access to all the equipment now, haven't you? And, I mean, social media, like you said, with Perryman, like, that guy wouldn't have... No one would have known who he was no, 20 no. years ago. No, you're right. You're right. Ivan Makarov, you've got all them. Ivan Makarov, Pavlo, you know what I mean? They're all great. Then. And you've got that Estonian, the Estonian who pulled 482 on a stiff bar with no suit. Who's that? I don't know his oh. name. He pulled 462 and he's pulled 482. But I know it's a stiff bar and he didn't have a suit on. Estonia is from, I think, he's, uh, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be something, something big. I mean, pulling on a stiff bar. At those it makes a massive, massive difference. I used to train on a stiff bar all the time. Um, and then when I went to competitions on a deadlift bar, I'd get the massive kick. Unbelievable. I'd get 30, 40, 50 kilos straight away. Straight away. I mean, I, I recently started training on a deadlift bar for um, England's Strongest Man yeah. qualifier. And I've always trained on a, just a Texas yeah. power bar. And... I started pulling on this and I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, it moves so quickly because you're getting that whip off the floor. Like, yeah. it pulls. And then, then you go back to a, a stiff bar and you're like, well, it feels, it feels heavy, doesn't it? It feels <laughs> heavy, yeah. It's yeah. awful. Well, I've been training on a deadlift bar for a while now, but I'm going to go back to a stiff bar tomorrow. So, um, it's going to be hard at first, but then once you get the once you get used, it's easier going the other way. So it's, it's easier going from deadlift bar, from stiff bar to deadlift bar, but it's not so easy going from deadlift bar back to a stiff bar. No, <laughs> definitely isn't. I feel. I feel. I'm looking at. I'm looking at last time in the pool, two hundred kilos. I'm looking. I'm thinking, is this right? Does, does this feel heavy for you? I'm the like, yeah, it does. Because I've been putting a deadlift bar for so long. <laughs> Stiff, but it just because that those you have the, the weight is that weight all the way through the lift, isn't it? You don't get any acceleration. No, you points. don't. You know what? That's that's what I like about it. Because if if you're if you're weak off the floor, just changing the, the bars. And getting somebody on a stiff bar rather than a deadlift bar, that'll make them work so much harder on the floor. It's the same with calibrated plates. Like, people don't get to train with them as much because they're rare. As soon as you start lifting calibrated plates because of the weight yeah. distribution, it makes it feel 100 it times That's heavy. why I never train with stuff like that. I always train with old cast iron plates, old school plates I've always had. So then when you when you went to, obviously, Paul World yeah. Records, um, how did you find the transition into the calibrated easy. plates? It felt easy. By going to a deadlift bar, because I I never I ah. never owned a deadlift bar until 2017. Ah. So then then that would kind of get rid of that response because it's a deadlift bar. It felt yeah. easy because of yeah, the flex. I, I never knew back then. I, I didn't really know the difference. You know, when you I, I was interested. I had a bar that I trained on. It was an old IPF. We used, we used it for bench squat and deadlift <laughs> for all three at the beginning, and then we got a better squat. Ricky Crane sent me a a good squat bar over, the longer, thicker, 30 mil squat bar. <laughs> um, we still use the same bench bar now, and that's the one we use for deadlifts, so there's no nerding on it. Um, I've always used that. I, I only got the deadlift bar in 2017, just before the deadlift challenge, when we got sponsored and we got it given um, for the first deadlift challenge that we put on. Uh, Ricky Crane sent us one over for that you're like, what's it this? Like, not, lads are spoiled now. We're using deadlift bar. I'm like, no, we're not using stiff bar. But what I will do is um, I'll let them use it two or three weeks before because what I find is for the bigger lifters, 
with a stronger car, for me, it never made a big deal changing from stiff bar to deadlift bar, pulling faster. So I was so big around the middle, you know, I could hold it. But I've seen a lot of smaller lifters pulling, training on stiff bars and then going over to the deadlift bar. And all of a sudden, the speed changes. They're pulling it faster now. And they get to the top and it, the whip of the bar throws them off balance a little bit. So yeah, because yeah. that weight just yeah, knocks them changes. off. So they've been used to one way for so long. So now we'll, we'll all change it into a competition. Not so much for me, but, but for other lads who I train with. And it doesn't it don't hurt anybody. It doesn't hurt anyway. It's, it's good to get used to something you're going to compete with. No, true. I mean, I'm very <laughs> thick around the waist. So yeah. I've never know, I know it whips, but I've never moved with it. But it I've makes got sense. an 800 pound deadlift bar there that I want to use. Otherwise, he's just sat there doing no. <laughs> got to use it sometimes. Makes sense. Right, Andy, I really appreciate you no coming on, bud. Um, I'll have to pop up and do a session at yours because it oh, sounds unreal. I'll tell you, one session at ours, you won't want to go anywhere else. So you know. <laughs> I'll have to drive four hours every <laughs> yeah. day to train. Um, and I'll be putting the podcast up soon. And thanks for yeah, coming no on problem, so much, mate. buddy. You're welcome. All right, mate. Speak Thank soon, you. Andy, mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.